This is Willett's Pod, and Allison is still in the suburbs of Baltimore while still being in the city of Baltimore. I'm Jesse. Um, do we need last names? Maybe. Maybe not. Crystal's here today, too. Crystal, do you want your last name used today, or do you want to just be, uh, be yourself? Can uh, I go by the Crystal O'Queef that someone called me, like, yesterday? You can do whatever the hell you want. That's okay, not a name I'm... that I would necessarily choose to go by. Um, but I was the one who was just telling you before we started the show that I was the one who absentmindedly left George Carlin playing in the car um, with my seven-year-old son yesterday. Um, it was about sports, and Allison has disappeared. Uh, we assume that she'll be back, but yeah. Um, the the part about the landmines in the outfield, really, yeah, <laughs> that was when... Carly goes, and I just hear from the backseat, ah, this uproarious laughter in this. So, you know what? We should just stop this and start again when she gets back. Okay. And yeah, I'm still in the suburbs. And I'm going to be here for a while. And I still hate it. And, um, I don't, why do people, like, A, move out here, and then B, so many people write like those sad punk songs about like oh, I'm trapped in the suburbs and I hate my parents. I like this fucking garbage out here, and then they list all the ways life is garbage, and you're like, oh shit, that sounds terrible. And then you grow up and you're like, I'm gonna live in the suburbs. Like you fucking grew up there. Why the fuck did you stay? If you're in this city, they warned us. And then you go out there, and then it's terrible, and everyone from the city is like. Oh, I'm in Long Island. It's fucking garbage. I'm like, yeah, that's why we've been making fun of Long Island our entire lives. We know it's garbage. You're the asshole who moved out there. I wanted space in the backyard. Now you gotta mow it. Fuck you. You got what you asked for. God, I hate it up here. But anyway, how was your week? Did you learn nothing from the descendants? They tried to warn you. I am not voluntarily up here, okay? I live in Baltimore. And I recently split with my husband, and I moved in with my best friend, whose house is in a suburban part of Baltimore. And then I was like, I'm just going to stay here for, like, two months. And I've been here for two weeks, and it's killing me. I was like, two months can't be that bad. It's terrible. It is just, I mean, I did not move to Baltimore to be in fucking Long Island. But here I am. This is just, oh, God. you got to walk, like, half an hour to get anywhere. Anyway. That, yeah, that was last week's show. This week we we have the All Star Game to talk about, which we all, of yes. course, um, I I didn't see it. I didn't. I had no interest in the All Star Game. It was okay. Weird. There we go. Just, I don't care. It's weird. I want to care. I watched the Home Run Derby, but I I have no appetite for the Nike store commercial that was. Um, yeah, those. The, that was the best part. Always it was like all oh, day. All the players and their uniforms, they come out and they do the introductions. It all looks cool. And I just don't care I, now. I watched it because I was obligated to cover it. That's it. It's yeah. It was very boring. It always is. Uh, but they did mic up Liam Hendricks, so that's really all that mattered to me. That's worthwhile. He was... We need, um, we need to get on our... Um, our t-shirt game and get one in Liam Hendricks's hands. I obviously did not watch the monster game. (laughs) Don't care about it. So there is more to do in Balt in, in the Baltimore suburbs than watch the all-star game even. Okay. 
So here's the particular space I, I occupy in this podcast. Because for those of you at home who don't know, and all my co-hosts who don't, like literally nobody knows this aside from me and Jesse. I don't watch the Mets. I grew up a big baseball fan, but I stopped watching baseball. I hate the commercialism of it. I mean, I just watch it and go into, like, giant rants about capitalism and how it sucked the love out of the game. Um, but my husband, my now ex-husband, was a first, I think, was I the inspiration for Willett's Pen, or was I the, the push that pushed you off the cliff? Was I the one who raised Jesse Spector into the... Uh, I, I think it's community. fair to say that you encouraged me to go ahead and... and- Yes. Finally, you know, shit or get off the pot, as it were. Finally, it's, live uh, your dreams. So, yeah. I so must. Yeah. So, and here we are. And I was like, okay, like my ex-husband was like a diehard Met fan, and I love looking at him and pointing and laughing. Uh, and that was going to be kind of like my thing here. But then I was like, April first or second, I was like, now I'm done. Like this is this, seventeen years was enough. I'm done with this. And then I've been. The, the podcast launched right as this started. So I've just been going through an extended divorce for like four fucking months. And I was like, I was going to start watching baseball again for this podcast. But I don't want to. And you know what made my ex-husband angry? The fact that I was on a Mets podcast with a lot of great sports writer, But I never even liked the Mets. And what would also make him really angry? If I stayed on the Mets podcast. And didn't know a fucking thing about the Mets. So this isn't like a revenge thing. I don't know what it is exactly. Still defining. I'm still learning who I am every single week. I am an outsider to all of this. Color commentary. Um, Did the Mets hasten the deterioration of your marriage from them being shitty and your husband being in a worse mood as a result? I think as a Yankee fan, um, I always said I'd never marry a Met fan, and then I did, and that was a mistake. So, if you're out there thinking that, don't do it. It's a mistake. Like, it's just sad to watch. It was like a really sad thing. And again, I was together with him for 17 years. Like, the man has a Mr. Met tattoo on his arm. And it was just like, there was, there was never any joy. Even that year they got to the World Series. It was like, I remember sitting here, sitting there with him and his best friend, who was also a Met fan, and they were like, we can't enjoy this, because this doesn't feel real, and they're going to blow it. And then they blew it, and they were like, good, it's like, nice that we didn't get our hopes up. They can't even experience joy anymore, Jesse. Like, what is, what, what? and people pay money to go to, to, to they give them, the Will Farms money to, like, give to Bobby Bonilla, and to suck the joy out of their lives and that's why we love this team in a fucked up way how can you not be romantic about baseball no the Mets are full of contradictions they're like you know they're not like any other team there's a lot of levels and layers that are wrapped up in Mets fandom this isn't somebody like oh we just like the team we wave our pennants go team go there's a lot of like psychological levels to why you would do this to yourself why you like like there's households oh. divided on the Mets and Yankees in New York. It's it's like not a fun thing either. It's not like oh we're going to quibble at the dinner table. Like these there is people who have broken up. There have been fistfights and families torn asunder by the existence of the New York Mets. And this is the podcast where we can reflect on that, and we can judge the players uh, yeah. by the quality of their butts. 
That is important. And that is why I, I wish that you were watching more baseball. Um, yeah. Simply to be able to bring that to the table. But we will get you out to the ballpark and you'll be able to um, to do some in-person scouting, as it were. I've had, I've had no time to do anything the past four months. Like, I don't even have, like, my stories. Like, I watch, like, binge watch TV shows all the time. I don't watch TV shows anymore. It's just been like existential malaise, but now I feel like I'm I'm finally coming out of it, and um, you know, baseball seems like I mean we're in the second half of the season now, so so this is usually when the Mets start collapsing worse than ever. So maybe it's time to hop aboard. It could be that, um, and and in that case, you might fit in well with this Facebook group um, that you put me onto initially. Yeah. Um, of the disgruntled Mets fans. And I occasionally just, you know, I, I don't participate in this, but I joined it and I see what they're, um, see what they're writing. And so I'll just, you know, um, let's see. They're all convinced that Jacob deGrom is definitely never going to pitch again. Um, mm. Their post yesterday, it's like, oh, he's just, you know, he's going to sit out the rest of the year and get his money as a free agent. He had a, you know, simulated game tonight as scheduled through his 60 pitches, five up, you know, up and downs, and everything went fine. Um, there is just... Do people love DeGrom now or hate DeGrom? Because that was a roller coaster. Sometimes love. people, like, DeGrom's the greatest person ever, and then it's like, when then they're like, we hate DeGrom. But then he's the greatest person think- ever again. Who, who would have ever said hated DeGrom? That doesn't sound... I love him, but we're also birthday twins, so I yeah. feel obligated. I want to rub his hands through his hair. I've just, like, always adored that about the man. He is one of the better-looking gentlemen I've seen in baseball. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good for you. Get that free agent money. Love you, Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> But he is actually going to come back and pitch for this team. But these, like, people are just there convinced at every turn and every opportunity that the Mets are going to lose. And I think that, you know, I will say that sometimes as sort of a gallows humor. Like, oh, yeah, here comes the home run. They're going to, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sometimes you do feel like, okay, this game's falling apart. The wheels are coming off. But, like, there are some people where it's just like, what are you getting out of this where you are convinced before every game that it's going to be a dismal loss and that even if they win, you're just going to be like, uh, they could win the world series. And, and I've seen this with Yankee fans. And this is like, these are the Met fans who should be Yankee fans. The Yankee fans are like, won the world series, but this farm system is just too thin. Like, yeah. Pissed about. And maybe that's, maybe there is something healthy in that to have a place to, channel hmm. your stupid male anger this is why we but, have this podcast to get into these issues that the other podcast the other Mets podcast they want to talk about ball no i want to talk about why are they why are you allowing these people to break you jesse i've i've done it <laughs> like i i specifically remember to- what what broke me was um the punt return by deshaun jackson for the eagles against the giants the fact that mm-hmm. they punted him that ball then that he returned it through all those guys, it ruined my entire day. Like, and when I say that, I realize that that is the same thing that Newman said 
on the Keith Hernandez episode of Seinfeld. Our day was ruined. Mm -hmm. I was legitimately pissed off about that game. There's a difference in that and, like, that I feel like is unhealthy. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe Sunderland is also unhealthy for me, but, like, the that's one where it it is for me more like the Mets where it's like, you want to see them get over um, and not, not have expectations of it necessarily, but to approach it still with some sort of like, there is an everlasting optimism. There is a Charlie Brownness to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're like, people who root for the Mets and don't, there are people who root for every team and don't get that and just expect like, if it's, if they went 162 and oh, they would still have something to be upset about. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Have you spoken to your therapist about that? <laughs> I have not spoken to my therapist about that particular punt return. Yeah. Um, my therapist's hands are very full as it is without delving into the damage that the New York Giants did to me over the years um, that they no longer, I no longer allow them to do uh, because Mm -hmm. I stopped caring so much. And, you know, work helped me with that, like being a sports writer and more coming to like realize that the other teams were full of human beings who were actually like in some cases nice um, and that, you know, your team is also home to many an asshole. Um, like every every team in every league has a strong mix of decent people and complete assholes, like every workplace in America, um, mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, if you go anywhere, there's going to be some good people. There's going to be some assholes. So I couldn't be like, I, I hate the New Jersey Devils because they played the neutral zone trap for all those years. And Martin Brodeur is overrated. It you now turned out he was a fascinating guy to interview still, you know, not a good person, to, but you know, Didn't he like bang his brother's wife. Yeah. So he banged his wife's sister. I think. Well, that's not, that's not smart. It was definitely <laughs> a bad one, idea. One way, one way or the other, um, Yeah, his sister-in-law, and that was uh, a thing. He could talk about hockey, though, um, in fast. Yeah, hockey, I'm sure. Um, Everybody had the biggest pads in the league. Just gigantic-ass fucking pads. Just stuffing his little little Canadian ass in that net. With his big old pads. I hated his guts. And then, like, I was like... But it's like, oh, why? David Ortiz, too. Like, yeah. He'll forever annoy me, and he really annoyed me during the All-Star game because they had this little segment where he's interviewing players, and poor Miguel Cabrera was up to bat. Like, he he, he was brought in to do a pinch hit because he was, like, an honorary person, and it was this big, exciting moment, and he just came up and, like, stole the entire show and everybody ignored – like, they didn't even show Miggy's at bat during the All-Star game. It was just him, like, interviewing random people 
like in the dugout the entire time. And I was like, what the hell? That's the other reason not to watch the all-star game for me is like, I don't want to voluntarily spend any more time watching, not watching, but listening to John Smoltz speak than I absolutely have to like, okay. I, I'm not going to skip the world series, I guess, but man, like, how do you like, this is something I've wondered for years. I, I can't, I can't comment on how do you go to the All-Star game and have a bad time announcing it um, when I don't know for sure that he did outside of like having read secondhand the usual complaints about John Smoltz hating his job and like clearly hating his job and rather be golfing. But yeah, like I don't want I don't want that. No, thank you. Okay, so when I was a kid, I actually really loved the All-Star game because again, I was a Yankee fan in the 80s and 90s. Nobody is winning any championship, but if you could send one guy to the All-Star team... You get like, to see Don Mattingly with other good players. Yes! I was like, hey, there's Don Mattingly! Like, somebody respects us! So, what... And now it's just like a, a commercial shit show. What could we do to make the All-Star game watchable again and fun again? I, I don't well, even know. I, I mean, they're not playing for anything anymore. They've fully commercialized those uniforms to like make more money off of them. They've just. How much money like, do they need? They have enough do money. Do I need a capitalism rant too? Because that's exactly what they're doing. I, mean, I think. I think at least for a time you go with like a U.S. versus the world format. I know mm-hmm. that you know it wasn't great in hockey, but at least it was it it was a change and it kind of shook some life back into things when they did it. And, you know, and they've done other formats since I think that you have to be open to, you know, basketball, NBA all-star game has the Elam ending and they have the scores by quarters. Hockey does the three on three tournament. Now nobody gives a rat's ass about the pro bowl, but you need to have something different because especially now, you know, we're 25 years into interleague play. There is no novelty at seeing the Yankees on the same field as the Mets and the Cubs on the same field as the White Sox. They do it all the time. There's no mystery in you know what's going to happen when Mookie Betts faces Justin Verlander. And that that all started with free agency, but it's been a long, long-term thing. The All-Star Weekend, what if that is the only weekend that the MLB allows drugs? And Ooh. you can only take part if you get elected to the All-Star game. So there's your motivation as a player. You're like, I get to do a week of drugs, but you have to play on the drugs. You know? I like that more than... I, yeah, I saw one. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I saw a tweet where they were like, just give the pitcher with the lowest ERA to pitch. Yeah, no, no steroids. We don't want any, like, performance-enhancing drugs or, like, okay. ones that aren't a good influence on the kids. But, like, shrooms? You want to put everybody on shrooms and they can play a couple rounds of baseball? I will watch the fuck out of that. I don't care, like, you know, how capitalist or, or you know, sponsored or how much schmaltz is schmaltzing all over the place. I will, or, I mean, just, just make them drink, you know? Like, there's another sponsorship. They need more money. Like, let Budweiser pay to get these guys. Like, no, no, fuck Budweiser. We need, like, you know, like, get Jaeger. At, 
Jagermeister money in All Star Game. They could at least put beer in the celebrity softball game. Yeah, I mean, or you should do that thing. They should make him chug a beer and then spin around on the bat before they run. Like you know, when you put your head on the bat and you're supposed to yeah, spin around. Not, yeah. Yes, yes, that should be in the All Star Game. Pickle just turn it into basketball. Oh God, I love that movie. <laughs> I think. Did I really like that movie? And now I saw it, and I know drugs were involved. And it's been like 20 years. Is was, baseball yeah, worth revisiting? Probably. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it now. Well, yeah, somebody should watch that and then get back to us. We'll, we'll do a report on that next week. Well, it's Pod Movie Club. Well, it's, <laughs> we should do a movie club. We do have the Flushing Review available. I can, like, find a copy of Basketball, send it to you, and you can watch it and review it if you want. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure out if I can watch Basketball this week. I will yeah. gladly watch movies and pop culture and do a little report every week on, uh, like, you know, I've seen Major League, like, like 500-something times, and I've seen Major League 2 once. Uh, so I have a lot to say about both movies. Um... Yeah, I love a good like like small T baseball because that's that's what I miss about baseball. Like the heart, like those movies sold you on heart, but heart doesn't exist anymore, does it? It just becomes yeah, we won the World Series, but the farm system. Baseball wasn't supposed to make us sad. Baseball is supposed to give us hope and optimism. Baseball is the thing you're supposed to like look at the people on the field and be like, that one's fat, that one's drunk, that one's got gout, and god damn it, they look like me. And if that guy could be a champion, so could I. But now they just look like live resources covered in advertisements. And I'm like, I can't uh, be one of those guys. I don't see myself Mo, in that. Do me a favor here. Um, well, while you're here, pick up your phone and uh, Google Daniel Vogelbach. <laughs> That's B-O-G-E-L-B-A-C-H. He is a guy that the Mets are... Um, Allegedly, pursuing the like trade. That? whose face looks like that? What is with his head? <laughs> that is not a. That is not a. Oh my god! I mean, listen. I'm not gonna the body shape a guy. This guy, like you know, he kind of reminds me You're of like David Bell. Yeah, no, no. He's like you know. Oh, here he here he is chewing bubble gum. You know, but uh. Oh, but he's got arms though. He's got arms. See that that you look at that guy's arms and you're like, that man has gone to the gym at least once. Whereas I have gone to it zero times. Um, no, you like I'm like David Wells before he became, you know, before we all found out he was a massive racist. Um, like didn't he like like he, he pitched games drunk? I think he pitched a no hitter drunk. He pitched you know? his perfect game hungover from uh, mm -hmm. having been at SNL the night before. Yes, I mean, the guy was like, that guy did not look like he could have even been in a weekend softball league. Or, you know, well, maybe... The first time um, that I covered a Yankees-Red Sox series, David Wells was on the Red Sox at that point. Um, and I'm a little bit nervous. I'm, I'm in the visiting clubhouse at Yankee Stadium. And I asked someone a question, and David Wells just walks up, calmly lifts his leg and lets out the biggest and loudest fart um just for no that reason brand. that's because he could yeah um but you know i i felt 
okay after that but like all right you know this is just these are just weird assholes same as me um well different yeah. as me differently weird yeah. differently assholes and very differently uh talented in this world <laughs> but maybe we have maybe this is like a, a cycle where like we expect so much of players and they need to be perfect all the time that it it sucks the soul out of them like these men are not free to you know gain a superfluous 75 pounds or like you know make like you know i i want to see the humanity of it and we're we're forcing the humanity out of them and i, I want to know like these guys are just farting wildly everywhere these guys have ibs just like you and me <laughs> I think Roger did a really good job of like connecting Pete Alonso to that and, and what, you know, he is and what he wrote. Um, and I think that we saw that on Monday night then in the home run derby when, you know, he's just, Pete Alonso just sitting there like kind of zoning out and grooving there and trying to get into his mental space. And the, the Mets uh, showed him like just doing this goofy warm up. It, it looked goofy because he's, he's like doing like these deep squat, you know, lifts with this huge barbell while wearing his full Mets uniform. Um, I think he is, he has some humanity to him and Francisco Lindor has the hair and yeah. he's always, you know, he's yeah, I like Lindor. The mm -hmm. man, he's like giving kids manners lessons and tell them, you know, you got to say please for the autograph. Yeah. Like it has to make you ask as a fan, like, what do I really want? Like when I when I'm putting this unnecessary pressure on Lindor on Twitter, what am I asking him to give up for me and for baseball? Really, like what what is being taken away? Like, do we want a game made out of robots? No, and the robots are coming, and they will take our baseball if we're not careful. So again, I ask you, why do you like? Do you have to go on Twitter be mean to Lindor? You don't have to. Let him be a man. Well, it's pod is brought to you by Old Glory <laughs> Robot Insurance. <laughs> no, they, they are coming, and the more that we talk about them on the podcast and how great they are, the more likely that we'll be cared for when our robot robot overlords uh, control everything. So just remember that we love the robots. Just Ray for robots. There's <laughs> <We're robots. laughs> your title for the episode. Ray for robots. Ray for robots. Um, I forgot I was going to say about robots. Would you watch a robot? What if for the All-Star game it was man versus robot? What if they got Boston Dynamics to put those fucking robots up and you had the best players in the league like you just to tell you only get one team and those have to fight the robots oh my god i would watch the shit out of that all-star game i just say baseball guys you're welcome i want the robot dogs to like chase players to the bag and like see if no, they can beat out a robot humans dog versus first. robots because eventually humans are going to lose that and that is going to be very scary yeah, but it also looked kind of cool when it happens, you know. Like, let's have it. Let's have a natural reckoning. I want to hear Joe Buck talk about that live on air. I want. I want like John Smoltz to be like, 
talking us through the reckoning, you know? Uh, you know, I, I, I know I'm going to come off here as a bit of a fold fogey, but I think it was better when uh, humans played baseball. <laughs> exactly. With John Smoltz, though. But that's something we could all get behind together as a country, no matter what you're fan, like you're a fan of. You can't be like, oh, the robots won the World Series, but that farm system, though. It's like, <laughs> oh, the robots won everything, and we must unite as people to take them down. But we never will, because they're fucking robots, man. They're much smarter than us. Like, we or just we keep taking we could take the people from Twilight in that baseball scene and have it a Twilight versus MLB players. Um, Actual vampires. Game. We get real mm-hmm. vampires. Yeah. We turn half the players into vampires. We don't tell anybody which half it is. What if we, you know, we don't even make one of the teams vampires. Just we, we thread vampires throughout the whole also. Or what if um, we get like Taco Bell and KFC to sponsor it? And the players have to eat, like, nothing but Taco Bell and KFC for two days before the game. And they have to, and we just see what happens. No bathroom assets. That would bring back the game where Lamar Jackson shit himself and came back and won the game. Yeah, I mean, because that's what champions do. Yeah. You know, sometimes you shit yourself, like, running around. It happens. The first time I ever tried to, like, run... Like, I was in my early 30s, and, you know, people who run love talking about running so much and how running is so great. And I'm like, all right, let me see how this is. And then I almost crapped my pants very quickly. I didn't because I le- I stopped running and suddenly didn't have to crap my pants anymore. And then I was like, why did I have to crap my pants? And all the runner people who talk about how it's so great were like, oh, yeah, that happens. And I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? Like, you didn't bring that up? You're telling everybody how great running is, but you didn't mention it's great. And also, you want to shit your pants the entire time? That feels like a giant deal breaker to me. In the time that I was, you know, that I, before long COVID got me, I was running, you know, almost daily. And that happened to me like twice. Twice. Twice is too too, too many times. In a lot of ways, but also, I have a pretty good understanding of the, um, public toilet system of New York City, which is borderline non-existent, but it's always important to have um, some mental awareness of, oh, there's, um, I'm not going to say, because the location that came to mind just now was one that was not actually a toilet, but in the woods. Yeah. See, I'm in the suburbs. I'm not sure where you're supposed to poop if you're, like, running places. Like, I mean, animals poop in the woods, I don't feel like I have the coordination for that, nor do I want to be pooping in the woods. Again, this is a voluntary thing. So I would have to pick, okay, so for something that's going to relax me and be good for my physical and mental health, I'm going to end up doing something that makes myself shit myself in the woods, possibly, or on the side of the road. And I feel feel like I could name at least like 40 things that don't involve me shitting myself. For sure. Yeah, I, I think that the people people who enjoy running enjoy it enough to make the make the risk accept, um, acceptable to themselves. <laughs> risk acceptable. At what point, Jesse, as the runner, did you decide? You know what? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sticking with this. I'm gonna I'm I mean, gonna stick with. 
I'm brave enough not to like shit right. my pants, like, like on fucking you know Steinway Street or whatever. Like if it happens, right. it happens. But I'm not like, God damn it. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know how far it goes. I know that um, I want to say it was Uta Pippig who won the marathon. I want. I, th- I think it was Boston. Um, just like won the marathon with shit streaming down her legs. I mean, like um, for them, you know, I'm I'm like yeah. This is not for me. Okay. Like but, my options. That's not it. That's not it. I think we're gonna for for next week. We'll wrap we'll wrap this up for now, and for next week we'll expose you to the George Brett video. Oh my god, George Brett shit his pants. Can we make can we make like a, a highlight reel of people just shitting their pants <laughs> on a baseball diamond and put it on the Discord? And or it's, it's a special subscriber only bonus to Willits Pen. It's the, the shitting video. See, that's, that's quality content. This is why I'm on the podcast, Jesse. That's how you get I'm really good at ideas. <laughs> Allison, this is the shittiest idea you've ever had. <laughs> oh. See, this is, we make such a good team. We really do. Rate, review, and subscribe. Um, we are on the All-Star Game today. Um, has saved the All Star Game. A, a United <laughs> United baseball fandom against robots. Um, I've accomplished a lot today, a lot. So you're welcome, America. <laughs> That's Allison Robichelli. We thank her as we do each and every uh, time she asks to be thanked. Uh, <laughs> Crystal O'Keefe, thank you so much for coming back and joining us, <laughs> co-hosting this once again, and continuing to do so and not billing on any of my nonsense. Um, I'm Jesse Spector, and we will see you next time.